Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Um, it was just such a, such an amazing story, the 90 minutes in heaven. I know we just talked a little bit ago about Bill Wees, who's a good friend of mine. He has the 23 minutes in hell. You have a very similar story, but yours is, you know, a little, a little bit nicer. You got to go to I heaven. I got the better deal. You got, yeah, you got yeah. the better deal. You got to go to heaven. And I saw your, your testimony recently on Vlad, who's a, a good friend of the channel's page. And I thought, man, this would be such a powerful story for my audience, for the people on my page to listen to. And so I'm just super excited to have you on. I think for Bill's story, there's an urgency when you hear a story of, I want to tell everyone about God so no one goes to this place. But hearing your story, I feel the same urgency, but this is the urgency. I want to tell everyone about God so that everyone goes with me to this amazing place. Like I want my friends and family there. I want my kids there. I want my coworkers there. And so there really is an urgency to your story. There's, there's a, of course, a gospel message to it, but I really believe that tonight God's going to spark hope in someone. Maybe you're in the chat tonight and you're a believer and you say, I say, I'm already saved. I'm going. This is still such an amazing testimony and such an amazing story of the grace of God, the majesty of God, the goodness of God. And uh, just really to me, Don, it makes me want to be a soul winner. It makes me want to share the gospel with as many people as possible. It's a very, very profound story that you have. If you if you love them here, don't you want to love them there? Mm. I mean, it, it's about, I think we're still here, Isaiah, to get everyone there. I mean, I, I think that's why we remain. Why don't we rapture the moment we get saved? Why don't we just go to heaven? Everything's necessary for us to go to heaven. We've made that decision. I think we stay here in most cases, uh, to help everyone else get there. Someone told so us good. the people who greeted me at the gates of heaven were people who helped me get there. They had a profound influence on my life. You say you read the book and it influenced you. I wrote the book so I wouldn't have to talk about it. I wanted it to just take off on its own. <laughs> and I had no idea that, you know, 20, minutes, 20 years after it came out, it's it's sold 9 million copies in 46 wow. languages. So I tried to put something behind me and God put it in front of me. And he does that sometimes. We're trying to get past something. But God had used it to bring, I don't know, I, I, I'll find out one day when I get back to heaven, uh, who read it, you know, and, and what influence it, that it had. I've talked to a lot of people here who seem to me have, have been influenced by it. But it, you know, we're here to help everyone else get there. Yes. If you're ready, heaven's a prepared place for prepared people. So we have to prepare them. We have to let them know the way. Jesus said, I am the way. And so if you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to go through him. That's so good. And your book not only was a New York Times bestseller for, I believe, over five years. As you said, it sold millions of copies. There was also a movie, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me, in 2015, a full-length movie in theaters about your story. And then now an another movie that you are a part of, After Death, that's been released recently in theaters by Angel Studios, which I recommend everyone go see. I haven't personally seen it yet, but I have friends that highly recommend it. We'll talk about that maybe later. Am I mistaken on that? Wasn't there a full-length movie in 2015 there, as well? There was indeed. Uh, we we uh, produced a movie in uh, 2015 uh, starring uh, Hayden Christensen, the young man better known as uh, Anakin Skywalker from the Star wow. Wars movies. 
starred uh, Kate Bosworth as my wife, uh, Eva. Uh, she was in Remember the Titans and Superman Returns. So it has an all-star cast of Fred Thompson, uh, his last movie, actually. Michael W. Smith, one of the greatest Christian songwriters of the past 30 years, uh, is in the movie and wrote the music for the movie. So it's a it's a powerful movie and uh, and did very well. Uh, it's kind of weird to watch a movie about yourself, to be yeah. honest with you, because uh, awesome. you have people being you. And then uh, we did the movie, uh, and it started six years ago, but COVID kind of interrupted it, uh, called After Death which is a documentary about what happens after you die. First of all, establishing that there is life after death uh, with scientifically. There's a lot of scientists on the movie, doctors on the movie. It's not just talking heads that have had a near-death experience. It's actually uh, people who've studied this. So it's a very powerful movie. It'll be available probably on platforms and in the DVD within a matter of weeks, if not months. So uh, yes, uh, it's important. And I, I signed on to do the movie uh, in, with no compensation whatsoever, because I wanted it to be, um, I wanted people to know there is life after death and wow. that you need to be ready for it. So yes, a couple That's of movies. Powerful. I've written five books. Um, I am I am uh, utterly serious about getting people into heaven, and it is urgent. I got killed on the way to church. What does that wow. say? Uh, you you better be ready all the time. You're going to take your last breath here one day, and it could be today, and you're going to take your next breath somewhere else because hell is just as real as heaven, as Bill Weiss would tell you. So you got to wow. be ready for what's next, and that's why we're doing what we do. We're trying to get people into heaven and help them have a better trip on the way. That's so good. Yeah, you look at the death rate is 150,000 to 200,000 people die every single day. Absolutely. And every single one of them are going somewhere. You know, they the are. current death rate is 100%. Every single person 100%. is going to die. We're, no one's escaping this. We're all mortal. Our lives are fragile at any moment. And I always say you people think eternity is in front of them. When in reality, etern eternity is right on the side of us. It's not like in 20 years, I'm going to go into eternity. At any moment, as you know, we can slip right into eternity, step to the side and be right there in eternity. So for you, January 18th, it's 1989. You're right. on your way home from a church conference in Texas. Yes. A semi-trailer truck strikes your Ford Escort while crossing a bridge. Take us right there and, and just I'll interview as we go. But share the story with those that don't know or haven't heard it. Um, what happened to you? I was attending a pastor's conference about 100, 120 miles from my home in Southeast Texas. And uh, it ended on a Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning, very cold, rainy morning. And so I was, you know, I was anxious to get back home. I was going to do a Bible study that night at my church. I had a stack of sermons on the seat beside me. I was going to begin a new sermon series the following Sunday morning. And so I drove out of the conference center uh, and went home a different way. Um, I was crossing a, a narrow uh, two-lane bridge with a big metal superstructure over the top of it. I did not make it across that bridge. Uh, a tractor-trailer truck uh, came down a steep embankment at the opposite end of the bridge. He said he swerved to miss a car that was driving very slowly in his lane, and uh, he came into my lane, and he hit me head-on, really rolled over my car uh, and crushed it. And then struck a couple of more cars before he finally uh, stopped. So four vehicle pile up on this bridge. 
Uh, miraculously, no one else was hurt. Uh, the other two drivers of the cars, the drivers of the driver of the truck, um, they were shaken up, of course. But I was killed instantly, uh, which brings up an interesting point. What am I doing on this program tonight? Yeah, wow. Um, I, I was killed instantly. And um, they obviously police ambulances arrived uh, subsequently and they started trying to help everybody. They did everything they could to try to resuscitate me. They were unsuccessful no matter what they tried. So I was pronounced dead on the scene and the body was covered up waiting for a medical, medical examiner to come out and release the body uh, so that the bridge could be cleared and traffic could start flowing again. Uh, back behind me were a lot of other pastors who had been to this conference and they began to exit their cars and walk up on the bridge, find out what's going on, why are we stopped? One of those pastors felt that God spoke to him directly as he approached the wreckage and said, pray for the man in the red car. That would have been me. And he asked uh, the uh, policeman in charge if he could get in the car and pray over my dead body because he was told that I was dead. And uh, the policeman said, no, no, you, you can't get in the car. You could pray over here if you'd like because it's the wreckage is too dangerous. And besides that, you know, we have the investigation to conduct. And so he persisted, uh, the, the preacher, he must've been a pretty good preacher because he convinced yeah. <laughs> policemen to let him get in the car, which he did from the back of the car. Uh, all the windows are knocked out. So he crawled into the back and got under the tarp with the body. Uh, cause they, uh, they had me covered up. It was gruesome. And you were and, in the uh, car covered up with, with some type of, no, they had, they, they actually had the body covered up. Okay. inside the car gotcha. uh, for two reasons. First of all, they didn't want anybody to look at me. It was, okay. it was really a gruesome sight. I had been dismembered. And then there were things in the car that were my belongings that they were trying to protect, you know, okay. get to my family. So uh, he crawled under the tarp and it, it saw that I was um, obviously torn apart. And the only thing I didn't break was my right arm. And so he reached from behind me, put his hand on my right arm. He began to pray for me because God told him to. And uh, the authorities had identified me because they found my ID on me. And and uh, they nobody was at home that day. My wife was teaching school. So they called my church. They found my business card. My wallet called the church and told them I had been in a horrific accident, but not that I was fatality because they were making arrangements to deliver that news in person, which is the way it should be delivered. And so the church starts praying for me and they start calling every church they can think of in the greater Houston area, which wow. is the churches. And those churches are all praying and they're calling other churches. So this prayer chain, if you will, starts going across the country and around the world in a very short period of time. So many thousands of people are praying for me, some of which I still meet uh, monthly uh, for the first time, you know, people who prayed for me that day. Incredible. Uh, Dick Onorecker, the preacher, was praying over me. He's singing hymns uh, between his verbal prayers, and he's singing a great old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, which uh, many of your uh, uh, viewers will remember that old hymn. They probably heard it. And so he's singing that. 90 minutes after the truck hit me and killed me, the accident happened. 90 minutes. So, so those asking yeah. in the chat of why the, why it's called 90 minutes in heaven. That's so it. this is yeah. not an instant thing where you crash, he no. comes and prays. This no. is 90 minutes. An not hour and a half has gone hour by. Hour and a half. 
Yeah. Wow. And you're pronounced dead in an hour and a half. You're completely dead. 11.45 a.m. is when the uh, pronouncement came uh, after wow. they'd done everything to try to revive me. Um, and But it was obvious from the beginning, the, the, the state trooper who worked the accident, who I've become uh, friends with, said that when he approached the car, he saw pieces of me lying on the pavement beside the car. He said it was just the worst accident he he ever saw. And oh. I can't imagine what, what that must be like. I mean, state trooper, think about how many accidents right. he's worked uh, in his career. But he said it was the worst. And uh, so that's what we're up against. No, 1145, at 1.15 in the afternoon, Dick Honoraker is singing that song. And oh. tens of thousands of people are praying all over the world, asking God to, to bring me back, to deliver me. And as Dick Honorecker sings, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, suddenly under the tarp in the dark, I start singing the song with him. Oh, I got chills. Yeah, oh, it's pretty wow. crazy. Wow. I remember, I remember singing it with him. I mean, that's my first conscious memory back here on earth. And uh, of course, he jumped out of the car very fast, you know, a dead man. And he goes over to the people the authorities, the last remaining ambulance and the state trooper and says, officer, the dead man is singing. And oh, nobody, my. you know, nobody believed that. Um, it was unbelievable. And it was, but I, I did sing with him. And um, even though I didn't know who he was, so he has to convince them to come and check on me because they don't believe oh, that. And uh, he gets, they don't come and check on me. So then he gets frustrated and stands in front of the ambulance and says, if you, if you don't come and check on him, I'm going to lie down on this bridge and you're going to have to run over me with that ambulance because I'm not leaving wow. until you. They did. And they found out that I was mostly slightly alive. And they obviously uh, launched into a, an effort to recover me from that car and get me to medical assistance as soon as possible. Uh, that accident happened at 1145. I arrived in the level one trauma center in Houston uh, at uh, 615 that night, six and a half hours after the wreck, I was finally in a place and I would be in that hospital or a hospital bed for 13 months uh, from wow. that. And I would have 34 uh, operations to try to put me back together again. So um, uh, God is still in the miracle business. God answers prayer and heaven is real because I saw it while I was gone. That's incredible. So I'm sure you know we're all going to ask. Everybody in the chat is asking, where were you for the 90 minutes? What did yeah. you see? And I also want to um, <clears throat> maybe make a distinction here. Bill Wee is a good friend of mine and yours. He talks about his experience was, of course, he didn't die. It was, it was an out-of-body experience, a vision. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's. I want to just be clear for all the people watching. You actually died. Yours was not I a did. vision. Yours was not, uh, you know, like what Peter would have, like a trance in the New Testament. You had a literal not even a near-death experience, I guess, wouldn't even be the right term. You literally died and and went to heaven and then ended up coming back. So maybe, can you explain a little bit maybe the difference for those that are going, was this a vision? Was this a dream? Was this a trance that you were actually dead? If you've heard Bill speak, you know how powerful uh, his testimony is about what he saw uh, during that time that he was away. And it was, it was a vision. And that's a biblical concept, truly. 
Um, and near-death experiences are very real. In, in the movie After Death, there, there are probably a dozen of us in that movie, some of whom had uh, hell experiences like Bill or, or some of whom had heaven experiences uh, like I did. Um, mine was was much more lengthy. I, I've always said when you're dead an hour and a half, you're, you're not nearly dead. Um, so I was uh, dead. If, if I had lived, if I'd have been near death, uh, my heart would have been beating and I would have bled out. I have massive wounds that had to be covered with uh, pl plastic surgery on my arms, legs. I had so many open wounds that anyone would have bled out in in five minutes. Uh, I did have blood coming out of my eyes and ears and nose and mouth, of course, as a result of, of, of brain damage from hitting the side of the car. But that was all dried because my heart was not beating anymore. So I, I really died. They don't have any medical explanation for how I survived that, how I came back. But the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so the moment that truck struck me and I died, I was at the gates of heaven, surrounded by people I had known and loved in life who had preceded me in death. So that's my experience. And it parallels many other people's experience. What didn't happen for me is I didn't go down a long tunnel with a bright light at the end of it. I was there in an instant. You have to remember there's no time in heaven. So there's no instant. There's no minute. There's no hour. There's no day. There's no year. There's no time. It's instant. So I was there because I had been killed at 110 miles an hour of impact. It was just I just died instantly, and I was there. Bible says in Revelation 21, there are 12 gates in heaven, three on each side of the great city of God, meaning that we could come in from whatever direction we come from on earth, uh, from wow. the other side of the world, from here. So it, And the gates never close in heaven. The gates never close in heaven. They're always open. Let's face it, people are dying, as you pointed out earlier. Yeah. 24 hours a day, every day, by the tens of thousands. And so they're receiving people who are ready to go to heaven. If you're not ready and you not become a follower of Christ, the Bible's very clear. Uh, no man comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. So they're coming all the time. And I was at one of those gates, one of the 12 gates, and it looks like the inside of an oyster. It is a gate made of pearl. Wow. We're told, again, in Revelation 21 that it would be, and it is. It's dazzling. I thought it was a living gate because it is so pulsating with life and light and power. And it's quite spectacular, quite beautiful and mesmerizing, really. Um, it's, a, it's an enormous pearl, but the gate is quite small actually the entrance is small because we go in one at a time it's a personal decision and we are told that the, the way is narrow and it is and so i'm poised there at the gate with all these people who came to greet me and we're having a spectacular reunion incredible reunion. incredible now i would also like to ask you um, is there a memory you have before you get there? Did you have a memory of seeing the bright lights of the semi-truck or what was the last thing you remember before you ended up dying and then obviously going to the gates? You know, that question is hard to answer. Um, I must have seen something because 
I lifted up this arm, which would have been closest to the truck coming in my direction. And this arm wound up in the back seat of the car, separated at the shoulder, went over my back. And from here forward, the arm was lying on the back seat of the car. So it was literally twisted off and laying on the seat. And so I must have seen something out of the corner of my eye. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have put that arm uh, up in the air. Uh, as I said, the only thing I didn't break was my right arm, but it, it would have been away from the truck. Uh, both my legs were broken. Uh, my left leg was actually missing four and a half inches of femur, was ejected from the car and never found. And so I had the steering wheel went horizontal. This is before the days of airbags. So it it just went right into my chest. So I was just really uh, literally devastated. So maybe I saw something I must have. I don't remember it. I think God and his infinite uh, wisdom and his compassion has probably erased that memory from my mind because it was just too uh, traumatic. So no, there was no, there was no, um, uh, delay for me it was just okay. i'm here i'm on i'm in a car i'm on my way to church and then i'm there at the gates uh, and it was instant although you know i've talked to many people who have a transition and let's face it i think more people die that way as they are slowly ebbing away yeah. here and they, because they see people sometimes in the bed and the deathbed they'll look out and see people uh and i think that's because their life is passing here and increasing there. And that's uh, a lot of people pass away that way. That's why we use the term sometimes pass away because yeah. they're passing. It was no passage for me. It was an instantaneous death and I was there at the gate. So I think that probably explains it to me because you, you might imagine I've given that a, a lot of thought. Why don't I, why didn't I see a long tunnel with a bright light at the end of it? Well, I'm at the bright light immediately. I mean, wow. I'm surrounded by light. We would be blinded by the light of heaven with these earthly eyes, but we won't have earthly eyes there. We'll have heavenly eyes. Wow. And Don, do you find it hard, even as we do this interview, and you've been doing this for so many years, to describe in the human language, the English language, like things that you saw or music that you heard, or you even talk about the gates and you try to find, you know, how could I say it? It's like a pearl, but was it so magnificent that you go, I can't honestly fully describe, was, was there a loss for words sometimes when you're describing what you saw and what you experienced? Let me put it this way. I waited 15 years to write the book about this. Wow. I never really planned to talk about this. I, I It wasn't my intention, uh, and mostly for that very reason. I really didn't care particularly whether people believe me or not. That was never an issue for me. Um, you know, you, you know, faith is not, faith is that way. It's, it's, it's faith in things unseen. Uh, well, most people on earth have not seen heaven, so I understand that. I'm not sure I would have believed this had it not happened to me, to be wow. perfectly honest with you. So I, I know I wouldn't have believed it on the day I was on my way to church that morning. But I, I mean, I know I wouldn't have believed something like this could have happened. But then, you know, maybe that's why it did happen to me, uh, because I certainly became a believer. I have the scars to show for it on the inside and the outside. So yes, I waited a long time. Uh, how do you describe a heavenly place with earthly words? Really? Yeah. Uh, people that are a lot more... 
a lot more focused than I'll ever be. People who who are the the autographs, the authors of the of the of the Bible, struggled with talking about it. Yes. Uh, so why why should I be any different? It you know it's it's a it's heaven. Uh, there are no earthly words that do it justice. So I tried to do the best I could to talk about the gates and the people and the and the street of gold and the and the tree of life and all the things that are there um, because they are there. And, uh, and one day, you know, we'll all see them when we get there, but, uh, talking about them now on earth, very difficult, uh, very, very difficult. I, I always felt sorry for the translators of my book, you know, the 46 languages that it wound yeah. up. In. I mean, now they're having to translate a translation. I mean, I yeah. wrote, and now they're having to try to describe that in another language. So, um, that would have, that would have been difficult. It was certainly difficult for me to sit down and write about it. But uh, and talk about it. I mean, I get to relive this over and over and over again, thousands of times. Uh, but you know what? I it's more important to to talk about it, to motivate people to get ready for it than it is for me to not have to want to go over and over and over again. I'm That's I'm so I'm certainly willing to do that because I know what happens next, and I've I've know too many people who died not ready, not ready. And that's too, that's too uh, frightening a prospect. So that's why we do what we do, isn't it, Isaiah? Absolutely. And was there any type of judgment whenever you got there? Or you say you're immediately at the gates, you didn't go through any type of judgment or anything like that. Is that correct? No, I think, I mean, judgment is coming. Yeah. Sure and certain. But uh, no, no. I went because I was ready to go that day. I wasn't planning to die that day, but I was ready when I did. A judgment's good. coming I, I for like all of us. I like you said that you weren't planning, but you were ready. No. I, I think people miss that. You were ready, but yeah. weren't planning. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many people got up today and went to work or will go to, get up today and go to work, depending on when you're watching this? Maybe you're retired, but you have some kind of goal or plan to do today, but make no mistake about it. You may not be here when the sun goes down. I mean, yeah, it, it may be yeah. over for you. And it's not, it's not, we're not saying that to frighten you. We're saying it to prepare you because you need to be ready for what happens next. And 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 the only way to do that is to consider your your eternal destination. And and Jesus, right before he left here, now he understands death too. He experienced it. And pain, he experienced that. Right before he left, one of his followers, who had been with him three and a half years, Thomas, says, um, we don't know where you're going. Because Jesus had said, I go to prepare a place for you. I mean, who better than a carpenter king to build us yeah, a better place? come on. Yeah, so he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, I, and if I do, I will come back, come back and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you will be also. And then he said this, you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. All you have to do is read what Jesus said before that moment. He's in the upper room right before being arrested. And they weren't paying attention. At least Thomas wasn't. And I think he represents a lot of us. Thomas says, we don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get there. You could check this out in John chapter 14. How do we get to heaven? That's what Thomas is asking. The great question of all time. And it's Jesus good. simply looks at him and says, you want to know how to get to heaven? I am the way. Come on. I am the truth. 
I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Well, I didn't. I knew the way more than intellectually. I knew it in my heart. I had accepted what Christ did when he immediately went out and got arrested. Then he was executed, and he didn't stay dead. He conquered death. So I, I knew that, and I accepted what Christ did, because you can't go into heaven with sin. Heaven's yeah. a perfect place. It's where God is. And you were asking about judgment. Judge, judgment does come, no question. It's coming for everybody. I mean, not just the people who are believers. It's coming for everybody. There's a, there are two judgments, really, but the, the judgment's coming. And so I was there because I was ready to go there, and I was— um, I wasn't in a perfect glorified body. I'll get that later uh, after the judgment. And so there, there's a process. God has a process. And we we have a tendency, because we have no choice, to think in terms of time, epics, time, errors, you know, those kinds of things in which we had this time and this millennium and all this. God doesn't think that way at all. Wow. He's eternal. You know, it's he's eternal. And so very difficult for us to understand that, but he's eternal. So what seems like this happens and then this happens and then this happens for God, it's God. It's his place. The best thing about heaven, yes, there are angels. There is awesome music. There are all those things and more. But the best thing about heaven is we're with God. Come on. We're with God. That's the same Revelation 21 that I quoted earlier says in the first six verses, three times, we are with God, with God, and with God. And so that's the best thing about heaven. You're going to be at his place. You're not hoping he shows up down here. You have, you, you're there and you're with him forever and ever and ever. So heaven is an awesome place not a concept, not a possibility. Jesus didn't say that. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's and so, so good. one of these days, the place where you're sitting right now won't be here. It won't be here. Heaven will be here and it will be here forever and ever and ever. And we can be with God. That's so good. So you're at the gates now and talk to me about the first people, I mean, this is such an amazing story. I'm, I'm getting so fired up as you're sharing this. I'm at the edge of my seat. The first people you meet at the gates, these are family members, you say, that have passed before you. Talk to us about the family members that you saw when you first got there. The first two I encountered were, were indeed family members. Uh, there were really a variety of people there uh, who had a, a profound in, impact on my life, including teachers and next door neighbors and friends, wow. classmates from school and all, all manner. I mean, I did not see anybody I did not know here on earth. I don't, I don't think those people came out to greet me. I think God sent out the people that he knew I would know. So I would know where I was because all of them Amazing. obviously had preceded me in death and they all helped me get there. I don't think you sneak up on heaven. I think wow. everybody in heaven knows who's coming. We're told that every time someone makes a decision to go there, they have a celebration in heaven. They have a registration book in heaven, and your name is written down in this book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. So everybody, you need your name in this book. My name was in the book. 
these people were expecting me. Uh, many of them had contributed to my salvation experience by telling me about Jesus, by giving me a Bible, by taking me to church when nobody else would. I mean, those things are what they did to help me come to Christ at the age of 16. And so they were there to greet me. My first encounter was with my grandfather. I was, uh, I was extremely close to him. Uh, my dad was career army. He was gone much of the time. But my grandfather uh, was always there. Uh, he was not a well-educated man. He was a carpenter. Uh, he really had no formal education, but he knew how to build things. And I thought he was genius. And of course, as a young boy, uh, I followed him around like, like yeah. a dog, puppy. You know, I just wanted to yeah. be like him. I'm still trying to be like him. And um, he he met me at the gates because um, he helped me get there. He extended his his arms to me and um and uh, and said welcome home donnie in a in a language i've never heard before but fully understood donnie was his name for me here on on earth and and embraced me i i looked at his hands of course when i was a little boy he picked me up and he was missing three fingers on one hand here on earth and and a couple of fingers on the other hand and i never got to see them i thought it was kind of fascinating that he was missing fingers but when I looked down at his hands, all of his fingers were there. I'd, wow. I'd never seen them before. And uh, so he was whole. I think we'll be complete in heaven. Most of us, if we live long enough, have a lot of scars on us inside and outside, uh, not in heaven. Everyone is perfect. Uh, my great-grandmother was standing next to him. She was a victim of osteoporosis, probably six inches shorter here on earth because she was so slumped over, she couldn't stand up straight. But in heaven, she was standing up straight, and she smiled at me. Here on earth, she was missing her teeth. She had lost them and uh, replaced them with some some false teeth, dentures. She never wore those. She hated them. But in heaven, she smiled at me, and it was the first time I had really ever seen her real smile before. So it was, uh, she was six inches taller. She was perfect. All, all of them were. Um, one of the guys that was there at the gates had drowned when he was 18 years old. And, um, and they weren't even able to open the casket because he had been in the water so long. Well, in heaven, he, he was perfect. Um, wow. Another one of my friends uh, died in a car crash and his, his neck was broken in heaven. He was, was perfect. They were all perfect in every way. And they all knew I was coming and they all came out to greet me at the gates of heaven, welcoming me home. Cause that is, a, that's our home. This is not our home. We're just passing through here. We know that. And so I was at home and the committee, if you will, the welcoming a committee uh, was there to greet me and it was a spectacular reunion that is absolutely incredible it's a it's a family reunion and a homecoming at the same time and yes. what an amazing thing that god would allow these people that we knew on earth to come greet us as we get to heaven i mean that isn't that so like god to do something so spectacular Perfect. as that to have our our friends and family and i love how you say even the details of your grandfather who's a carpenter you know missing fingers obviously from his work and then there he is now you notice with all his yes. fingers people are perfect and there's something you said so interesting that i'd never heard before when you shared on vlad's thing will you talk to us about ages you know we ask all the time yeah. about 
do kids go to heaven? Are there children? I know Bill right. Wees, I've asked him many times in my podcast with him, is there kids? And he, he would always say, no, there's no kids in hell. Or he didn't remember seeing any kids while he was in hell. Right. And I thought a similar thing, like, man, you know, you see so many times with the whole issue of abortion or children dying prematurely. It's such a sad yeah. thing to see a child pass away, a yes. young kid. Was, is there children there? What ages were your family that you, you saw there? Talk to us a little bit about the age in heaven. You know, there's no birth in heaven and there's no death in heaven. So there's really no age in heaven. People were fully recognizable as themselves. The Bible says we will know as we are known. And we and, and I knew them all. Now, people want to know what about Moses and Mary and all those. They were inside. Peter thought they were all inside. They did not come out to greet me. They they did not, I did not know them personally here on the planet. So I, I know they're they're inside and I will I will meet them and fellowship with them inside. These are people that I knew and God sent to greet me. But there was really no age about them. Uh there are no wrinkles, there's no you know, the things that we go to so much trouble here to try to improve our appearances and everything. I mean, that would never happen in heaven. We're all just the way God wanted us to be when he made us in the first place. I did not see any people that we would classify as as children. And I, I you know, I've thought about that because, you know, we lost a couple of, uh, of, of children our, ourselves it, 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 before birth. Um, and so you're very saddened and heartbroken about those possibilities. They could have, what they could have been, might have been. And we all, many of us have lost children, or we know of children that were lost. But that's a stage of life here on earth. There are no stages of life in heaven. Adam and Eve were created as fully developed humans. God did wow. not create them as babies. He did not create them as five-year-olds or 16-year-olds. They were fully developed humans. And that's that's the way he wanted to fellowship with people in the garden. And he did. So I have a tendency to believe that what we would call fully developed humans are what we are in heaven. And I don't even use the word adult because that's another stage of life on earth. We don't have stages of life in heaven. So I think we'll just be, we'll, we'll be an age will never come up as a subject because there isn't any. Remember, wow. there's no time, so there's no age. We're not in the aging process. We're not running out trying to make sure that we can dye our hair a little darker than it is or tr try to change the way we look. In heaven, everybody's going to look good. I mean, wow. you'll look good. You'll look just the way God wanted you to be when he so good. made you in the first place. That's so interesting. I always had that thought and it makes so much sense what you're saying because I always thought, you know, if a baby dies, it's like a six-month-old baby tragically passes. It doesn't make sense that there would be a six-month-old baby for all of eternity, right? Or even like know. a two-year-old for all of eternity. And I always I, I always had trouble reconciling and it, it didn't make sense. Then when I heard you say Adam and Eve were just, you know, basically had no age as far as they weren't babies. They were, let's no. say, 30 years old or whatever in the middle yeah, prime some, of yeah. their age. You just right. think, wow, that makes so much sense that people in heaven, there's no time, there's no progressing. You get a new body, obviously, and it just makes sense yes. that everyone would be around like that age, 30, 40, whatever it is that your prime right. time in life, that everyone would just be that age. And so when you said that, I thought, wow, that's such a powerful revelation. Of course, we're not here trying to write canon and say this is this is fact, no. but we're we're sharing your experience. No. And that's that's powerful reality that, man, it makes yeah, sense. That's a testimony. That age.
Yeah. Yes, testimony. Every, everybody, if you are a follower of Christ, you you have a testimony. If you're a Christian, you have a testimony. And then you don't have to get run over by a truck. You don't have to, they don't have to make a movie about your life. Your testimony is powerful in and of itself because it's coming from you. If you're watching this, let, let me say to you, don't resist the temptation to, tear, to share your testimony because that's what really communicates with people. Yes, we, we are people of the Bible, of the scripture. That's the basis for our entire knowledge of God. But if you have come to Christ, then you want to share that with other people. The fact that the people who met me at the gates shared that with me caused me to understand I was lost. Wow. I needed the Savior. And so I came to Christ because of their testimony. And they did physical things. They gave me a Bible when I didn't have one. They asked me if I wanted to go to church with them and, and took me there. So there's a lot of things that we can do. But the reality of it is the power of our testimony, no matter what it is. I have people come to me sometimes at a book signing table, and they'll almost apologize. Well, you know, I didn't have anything happen to me like happened to you. And I, I said, well, hold it. Wait a minute. What happened to you? I, I want to I hear because that can be used by them to influence someone else to come to Christ. So I'm sharing a testimony today. This is it. It's personal. This is what happened to me. But I'm encouraging anyone who's being exposed to this program, you need to do that too. Yeah, you need to do that because you could be the catalyst in your realm of influence, in, among your friends, among your family, among your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates. You could be the one that could help them come to Christ. And then guess what? One of you is going to greet the other at the gates of heaven That's someday. So good. And you'll That's be home. That is so powerful. What a profound statement there. Now, here you are. Did it feel like you were there? I guess we can go to the next part of this. Did it feel like you were there for 90 minutes? Or again, I mean, that might be a dumb question because you just said there's no time. No. There's no idea of time. What happens after you you greet your family and everyone's there? Are you sad now? Obviously, you're here before, so we know you left. Is it a sad thing when you left? Did you just get sucked out of your body? Well, I guess not out of your body, but did you just come back to now you're in the car? Or tell us about what happened next after you talk with your family at the gates. Well, we we did have a, and first of all, there aren't any dumb questions, not when it comes to this, because I mean, how would we know if we don't ask? So Good. I encourage people to ask and question. Uh, that that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all when people have questions about my experience. I will answer every question I possibly can, but you know, as long as we understand, faith gets involved at some point, and for some questions, there are no answers, not here on earth, anyway. Yeah. And so, I, yes, I went in. They parted. I'm passing all the angels that have greeted me, including probably the ones who lifted me up, because the angels are the ones who bear us up. And and uh, their glorious uh, presence, I'm, I'm passing through the music, which uh, was extraordinarily vivid to me. Thousands of songs glorifying God without any chaos, because they all they all fit together. They were symbiotic. And um, aromas, I mean, heaven's a sensory explosion, the most real thing that ever happened to me. I'm going in now to this portal, and the, and the walls of heaven are, are really quite thick. And so I'm going in, and I'm emerging on the inside. Yes, the golden boulevard. Yes, trees of life that we will eat of in heaven. Um, not forbidden, because we already know 
Uh, we know good and we know no evil. There is no evil there. So thrones high and lifted up in the center of the city. My intention was to, to go down that uh, golden boulevard and climb that hill and fall at the feet of, of God and say, thank you for letting me come. But the moment I was emerging inside and taking it all in, it uh, it stopped just as instantly as the truck hit me. And I found myself in silence and darkness and trying to make my voice work. I, I wanted to say, what's going on? I, I just I just got here, but I, I couldn't make it work. And then out of the darkness, and I was in total darkness, uh, there's a voice, uh, one voice, not the angelic host, not the, not the praise songs, not, it's just one voice. And this voice is behind me. And it's that, that preacher who's crawled in the car singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And I'm, he's making me singing with him because once I became back, he was trying to keep me back. He did not want mm. me again. And so he's making me sing with him and um, I am, and I don't know who he is. And I honestly on earth, I didn't know what had happened to me. I didn't know I'd been in a wreck. I didn't know uh, why I was in the dark. I didn't know why I was singing with this strange voice behind me. I didn't know any of that. It would be hours before I would kind of be fully informed as to what happened. And then um, the shock would wore off of the, the trauma a massive trauma that I experienced and I would begin to experience pain in a way that I did not know was uh, humanly uh, possible. Uh, I, I had a rough time physically coming back. Cause as, as I told you, I had 34 operations. They had to write a, uh, try to experimentally reattach my left leg because I had double pneumonia and I couldn't get breathing treatments. So I could get out of traction. The arm had to be surgically reattached. My left leg, my right leg was broken at the knee. I was just, uh, I developed double pneumonia. And so uh, it was, it was a rough ride for a long time. And uh, after months passed, I lay in the hospital bed there at the hospital and, uh, and really kind of argued with God about why he sent me back to this. Um, I just didn't understand why he'd let me see that and, and then took it away from me. And uh, I, I told him so. And uh, I encourage you to talk to God, anyone. Uh, you, you think, well, God will get angry at me. He'd rather you be uh, angry with him than ignore him. That's good. Uh, I, I, I encourage you to share your heart with God. No, he, he won't be angry with you. He wants to hear from you. And, uh, uh, he would rather you you do that than just completely ignore him. So I I was frustrated probably more than angry. I, I didn't understand why he would send me back for the condition I was in. And I didn't understand why he wouldn't send someone to me who understood how I felt. I felt very lonely and isolated. And I was wearing devices, medical devices that no one had ever worn before. And so there was no one to even talk to about it. Even the doctor didn't understand because they'd never applied one before. And they certainly didn't know how it felt. So I, I felt very frustrated. And I told him so one morning in the hospital bed at about 3 a.m. And he spoke back to me one of the two times in my life where I've heard the audible voice of God. 
speak to me. And he said, um, this is not about you. This is about me. And what, what I, what you, what you need to do now, um, you need to get over your pity party and you need to stop shaking your fist at me. And instead of doing that, take the same hand that you're shaking at me and reach out to other people who are hurting and help them understand that heaven is a real place and that uh, this pain is, is temporary and that you understand how they feel. So I was obviously selfishly looking at it the wrong way. I wanted relief. I wanted uh, answers. And God says, you are going to provide answers. You wow. hold on to someone else's hand who's in pain, maybe from a bankruptcy wow. or a divorce or a hurricane or a death of a family member, or you fill in the blank, whatever they're going through, they want to hold the hand of somebody who has overcome somebody who understands what it's like to hurt like that. And, wow. uh, and that began the first day of the rest of my life when the sun came up the next morning. So that's what I've been trying to do since. That's one reason why I wrote the book. So one reason why I wrote four more books about those very same subjects. And uh, I allowed the movies to be made because we're, we're trying to get people into heaven. And we're certainly trying to help them have a better uh, trip on the way than the one they're having now. That's so good. And, and this might even be, you know, a weird question, but was there any resentment towards a dick, the man that prayed for you and, and pray that you'd come back to life. I always kind of joke and say, Hey guys, if I die, you know, cause obviously we believe in praying for yeah. people that are sick and God can do miracles. Sure. And I believe God can do what he did in you and raise the dead of those that have died. We can pray and God can raise them. But I always tell people, if I ever die, don't, don't pray for me to be raised from the dead. Don't pray yeah. for me to come back again. Like you said, there was a little bit of like, man, there's just this, why am I here? I was up in heaven in a perfect place Were you, did you feel any type of resentment or anger at all for, for him praying like, Hey bro, you brought me back. And I was, I was right before God. No, that's actually a very good question. Um, and, and I have a funny answer. Um, Dick, um, uh, I ended up actually preaching his church, uh, in subsequent months when I finally, I would say got back on my feet, but that's probably too strong a word. I, I was lifted up onto the pulpit. I mean, I had to be lifted up by God because I was wearing leg braces. So I ended up speaking in his church. Um, Dick only lived about five years after this accident. He had a heart attack and wow. died. So, uh, you know, Anita, his wife, who, who was an eyewitness to this accident, she's actually in the movie after death. Wow. And she she saw the whole thing. She she eyewitnessed this entire episode. So she lost her husband. And uh, we were talking one day. And I said, uh, I just can't believe that, you know, Dick is, is no longer with us. Because he was a prayer warrior. He, he would see a situation like this. He, if he believed God said, pray for the man, the red car, he was just being obedient. You know, that's faith. And so he did that. And we kind of smiled in a melancholy kind of way because Dick was no longer with us here, her husband and my friend. And I said, isn't that something? Uh, God told him that day to, on the bridge to pray for the man in the red car, which was me. And he did. And I lived. And then I came and told him about what I'd seen when I was gone, heaven. And then he left us here. What kind of a friend is that? And we, we laughed, but almost 
tearfully because it's it's really the truth. He was just being obedient and praying for me. But then he left. So he got to see what I saw and uh, he didn't come back. So I jokingly, and I, and I want to emphasize this jokingly, I don't want to be, this to be quoted out of context. Sometimes when I'm leaving a place and they'll say, oh, well, just stay the night with us, spend the night, and I'll need to be in another place tomorrow. And I said, well, no, I've, I've got I've to be going. Well, it's dangerous out there. You know, what if you get in another wreck? And I will pause and looking at the crowd that's saying that, because sometimes you don't want to be misinterpreted. I said, let me tell you this. If you hear I'm in a wreck tonight, don't pray for me. Leave me alone. I do not want to come back again. And so, you know, they'll they'll this momentary pause and then they'll say, Oh, okay. All right. But I know they're going to pray anyway. And yeah. I, I would never discourage prayer, ever discourage prayer. But yes, I I, I would rather be there than here. Um, anytime, any all the time. But I know why I'm here. And I know that uh, I am going there. Just a little over a year ago, we lost our uh, 46-year-old daughter. Oh, I'm our, so sorry to hear that. Well, thank you. She was a, a, a wonderful person, a tremendous lady, and, uh, of course, my little girl. So I know where she is. And uh, she heard me speak of this hundreds of times. And uh, so I know where she is, but she also knows that I know where she is and she's waiting for me. She's waiting for her mother. She's waiting for her brothers, her children, her husband, all of us. So I, I this is true. This is all real. And it's, it's real for all. None of us are immune from this. None of us are immune from losing people that we love and, and, uh, and, and lose for just a little while. When I talk to somebody who's lost a loved one, one of the first things I'm going to ask them is, were they a follower of Christ? Were they a Christian? Were they a believer? And, and most of the time, the answer will be yes, absolutely. And sometimes they'll even go so far as to say they were a great inspiration to themselves. They, the person who died, were in, in, inspired the person who's telling me that they died. And I understand that. But then I will say to them, well, I'm very sorry for your temporary separation from your loved one. It is real, but it will not last. Wow. So that's wow. the way I, I, I have, I reconcile that. That's the way I have to deal with it because I too have lost loved ones since I came back. I too have performed funerals since I came back. I too have gone to the, the cemetery since I came back. So I, I understand it. And uh, I'm not, I'm not, angry that I was sent back, but I was confused for a long time. And I'm not in great shape at this age. Uh, all those broken bones and all those things have more or less caught up with me. So I don't move the way I used to move because it's just, you know, part of the aging process. And I may have a little exacerbated a little bit by breaking virtually everything you can break in my life and just having had uh, bypass surgery this year. So um, I'm moving a lot slower, but I know what happens next. I know what kind of body I'm going to have one day. There are no scars in heaven except Jesus scars to remind the rest of us of how we got there. And you will not have a scar on you. Um, but in, but in heaven, uh, we don't, he does. 
And so uh, I can't wait to go where there are place place where there's no scars and no heart attacks and no cancer and no disease or illness or heartbreaks. None of that. That's so amazing, you know, and he gives it gives me so much hope. I was even getting emotional earlier when you're talking about family members being at the gate because, as you said, you've lost children that you know now, obviously through your experience, that they're going to be at the gate waiting for you to greet you. And and I think of family members that have gone. And I was with my grandma when she passed. I was with my grandfather when he passed. And thinking about these were pillars in our family of of the faith, and that they're going to be there one day at the gate meeting me. I think for so many people, there's a few thousand people live watching right now. It brings so much hope to people. Obviously, there's a lot of people in the chat that are watching live that have lost family members, lost lost children, lost loved ones, been through horrific things as you have. And now I think this gives them so much hope of, man, one day I will see them again. One day I will meet them at the gate. One day there's a hope for me. I don't have to live my life in anxiety and depression and fear and sadness and sorrow and grieving. Obviously grieving all that is normal. But man, there, there's a rainbow after the storm. I'm going to see them again. I'm going to see my kids that have gone again. I'm, if, if they were a Christian, obviously. Um, I'm going to see my family. And, and then also, another thing I'm thinking of, Don, is that, man, I want to tell my friends and family that aren't saved about God and, and share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Because I want them to be there. I want to spend forever with them. I don't. I obviously don't want no one to go to hell, but there's another side of me that goes, man, I want them in heaven. Like this place sounds so amazing. I want them to be there with me forever. It really motivates me to say, I want to share my faith. I want to, I want to witness to people. Do you believe people in heaven have any idea of what is going on on earth or have any idea? I know you said that they knew you were coming. What level of awareness do you think people in heaven have when it comes to what's going on right now on, on earth? Well, you know, I get asked that that question quite a quite a bit. I, you know, when I was there, I, I really was not thinking at all about the people here. Uh, well, you're you're looking at a gate, and you're looking at a street, and you're looking at at the the incredible beauty and majesty and glory of God's place. Um, you know, it's it's I I liken it sometimes to standing at the lip of the Grand Canyon. You know, you you don't usually go to the edge of the Grand Canyon and immediately look down. You're so overwhelmed by what's in front of you in all directions. It's just so majestic and outstanding. And I think that's what heaven is like. Could the people in heaven um, know what's going on here? They probably could. But I mean, what's going on here that's worth looking at? That's a really good point. Worth, uh, worthwhile. I mean, really, you know, you might see some glorious uh, occasion or something. But for every one of those, there's a thousand that are not not heavenly at all, that, that would not even be permitted into heaven. So I, I believe that the the one thing that people, remember there's people in hell looking up at heaven. Yeah. Everyone in heaven, hell knows what they're missing. That's yeah. part of hell. But it, 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 that's not the opposite. It's not the opposite because people in heaven couldn't possibly be exposed to hell. So the one thing they do know is who's coming. They they know and they celebrate on on the on the day that Isaiah was saved. You okay? They had a celebration up there. They they sang your name. They oh, it was cool. inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life. They were ecstatic that a new name was written down in glory and it was yours. And so that they know in heaven. And let's face it, that's happening all the time. So that's what they know in heaven about what's happening down here. Now, people ask me, 
you know, I think in a dream, my mother appeared to me to tell me she was okay. Is that possible? I think it's possible. I think if God wants to give someone that kind of message, I mean, let's face it, the Bible is filled with episodes in which God communicated with people in their dreams through a bush. I mean, I mean, if he wants to do that and he wants us to have a message, we just need to be sure that that's where the message is coming from. But I, can he do it? Yes, I believe he could do it. Does he do it as a matter of of daily? No, I don't think so. I, I don't I don't think so. I think we are here to help everyone else get there. I think we're here to prepare for what happens next because something is. But in heaven, they're not thinking about what's going on down here. I mean, they just don't because most of it is unthinkable. It's yeah. it's, it's earth. That's a really good point. You know, it's an earth. Not a day goes by that we don't have to go through some kind of at least unpleasant experience, but in many cases, painful, difficult, challenging experiences here that make life uh, can make life very challenging and difficult. That won't happen in heaven. And wow. so um, the people up there are not are are not purposely aware of what's happening here. That's my belief. But they could be if God wants them to in specific situations. And I think sometimes he wants them to. We've, we've seen things like that. And I've talked to people I know who were given really kind of a word from God. Yeah. And uh, they know that's where it came from. That's so good. I'm going to ask you one last question, and then I'll give us a chance to just pray for those watching just for the sake of time. I want to answer a question that the chat's been asking, and then I'll ask you a question. Um, a lot of you are asking, you're confused about the movie. So just to clear things up, Don Piper had a movie made about his life in 2015 called 90 Minutes in Heaven. So that's a movie that's about his life and his story he's sharing today. He's a part of another movie. This is a different movie recently that came out in theaters this year called After Death that he's a part of. That's The whole movie's not about his life, but he's a part of that documentary about oh. after death, near-death experiences, and things like that. So those are two different movies he's been a part of. Um, and then his book, which I have linked in the description, I would recommend the several thousand of you on here, you should just go buy that tonight and give it to your friends and family. Buy multiple copies to hand out. That's going to be linked in the description. That's 90 Minutes in Heaven. That sold over 9 million copies. That will be in the description. Um, all that's there. So I wanted to clear that up for those saying, wait, what movie is it? Is it 2015? Is it now? That right. will clear that up. And then last question, and then I'll we'll, we'll go ahead and, and pray for the people I want to ask you, Don. And this, again, I know, I love that you said there's no dumb questions. This is a very relevant question because I, of course, I have a young audience. Probably most of my audience is 20 to 35 years old. Is heaven boring? Because I think that there's this idea, and I laugh when I say it because, of course, I know it's not. I know it's it seems like such a dumb question, but there's an idea in the younger generation that, oh, heaven's going to be this boring place that I'm going to go and I'm just going to be in church. And a lot of young people, they mistakenly think church is boring maybe because they go to a church that you know god isn't moving or the holy spirit doesn't have his way and so there's this idea that oh god's boring which is of course not true but they think heaven's going to be like that they think heaven's going to be one long boring church service can you just right. speak to that i'm sure you've gotten asked that a million times can you oh, speak yeah. to this idea yeah. is heaven boring right well you know, you know i think you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself everybody who's watching are you boring because if you if you're not boring, then heaven's not going to be boring. You know, if you are, there's a good chance you're going to be bored in heaven. Except that that couldn't possibly happen. I just mentioned earlier that you were in the presence of God. I mean, He created you, 
And so he wouldn't create boring in heaven, for goodness sakes. But I understand the question. I was on a television show one time with a guy named Rick Warren. Rick Warren, prolific author, one of the best-selling authors of the past 25 years in, in California. And and uh, the two of us, I won't mention, is a very famous host that was hosting this show. And he made the same statement. You know, I feel like heaven must be boring. And oh. Rick started laughing. And I just sat there and went, well, I oh. think I understand where the question is coming from. But then Rick stopped laughing. And he said, are you kidding me? I mean, I know you probably have some concept, talking to the audience, of some cherubs you know, playing harps, floating around on clouds. He said, that doesn't happen. I mean, are there cherubs? There could be. He said, but they're, you know, they're angels with six wings or angels with two wings. Some have no wings. He said, there's all kinds of angels. Yes, in heaven, but we don't become them. Heaven are a completely different set of beings than us. God created them for a completely different purpose than he created us. He created us in his image. And it doesn't mean we look like him, but a, a lot of what we act and how we feel is like him, including our, our will to do something. That's why we have to decide to follow Christ. He said, but they're the heavenly host singing. You're smelling aromas from the throne of God. Wow. The, the prayers that we pray here are like an incense floating from the throne of God. So it's a buffet for the senses. You're walking down the street talking to Mary, the mother of Jesus. You're talking to Thomas, and you, and you know what it was like that day when he was stoned to death. I mean, you, you are in the presence of all these saints that have gone before us. We'll be responsible for things. We'll eat of the tree of life. We don't eat in heaven to stay alive like we do here. We eat in heaven for fellowship. God wants all of his children together at the table, dining together. So heaven is exponentially more exciting than anything that's happening here. There's no night there. You say, well, I want to go to sleep. You won't need to sleep. What are you resting wow. for? Yeah, so anything that you can imagine. Heaven is an exciting, thrilling, ongoing place that you will be absolutely just thrilled to be in when you get there. You won't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. Why would I want I wanted to leave if it, if it was boring? Wow. It, it was anything but boring. I can't wait to go back. So trust me, it's not a boring place. And I realized I was young once. Uh, I got over it, but I'm young. I was young once. And the truth is, I probably thought a lot of things were boring that have turned out over a period of time, not to be nearly as boring as I thought they were. Uh, but I was looking at them differently, you know? So you That's will so too, good. as time goes by. But but believe me when I tell you, not boring. Not That's boring so at all. It'll be the most exciting, thrilling experience of your entire existence. That's so good. And okay, I really, this is the last one for sure because the, the people in the chat won't let me let you go without asking you this. Did you see any animals in heaven while you were there? My number one question yeah. of all time. The last book I wrote was a book called People I Met at the Gates of Heaven. Who's going to be there because of you? That's my fifth book. There's a whole chapter in there on animals. And uh, I did not see any animals in heaven, but I think they're there. Remember, no animals had any spiritual impact on my life, even though I think some of us think that they do. Um, and then remember, 
They were created by God. And after he created them, he said they were good. Okay? So God loves animals. Uh, Jesus is coming back on a horse. Got to be a stable up there somewhere. So the, for many reasons, we are led to believe that animals were so important to God, and he made them. But what Adam and Eve, Adam's first responsibility, he was told in the garden to take care of the animals. So God obviously thinks they're very important. And for those reasons and a lot more, I think that there will be animals in heaven because we adore them so much here. And let's face it, they adore us. So yes, if if God wants them there, he'll they'll be there. I mean, they'll actually Good. absolutely be there because it's heaven. Now I will say this, if for some reason he decides for them not to be there, we will not know that they are not there. It's good. Yeah, because otherwise we'd be saddened by their loss and that will never happen in heaven. So that's the way it works. If God wants them there, they'll be there and we'll rejoice in their presence. If he doesn't want them there, we won't know that they're not there because then you'd be sad. And there is no sadness of any kind in heaven. That's so good. And some of you in the chat, there's hope for your your dog of 14 years. There's, that there's hope for Fido. There's, there's hope for Fido. Yeah, fluffy, there that, fluffy that might be there. there. There might be there. I would like to just, I don't want to miss the opportunity. Um, you know, there's over 2,000 people live right now listening to us talk. If, if What if somebody comes in and says, hey, I want to go to this place. I, I don't know Jesus. I'm listening right now. I told all of my audience to have their friends and family watch this because, of course, it's so interesting. It's at the edge of your seat type of story and testimony, and it's powerful. And, of course, God's anointed this story, and it's just powerful. What do you say to people that say, hey, I'm not a believer. I want to – how do I go there? How, how do I get to heaven? Um, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm in that book that you talked about. God is holy. If God is anything, and he is everything, he is holy. The reason that we cannot be in his presence is because we're not. And any of you know that. I mean, I don't, I don't have to teach you from even a biblical standpoint that you've done things you ought not to have done. And there are some, probably some things you should have done that you didn't do. So we, we failed uh, on many levels. And, and God calls that sin. It's, it's, a, it's a falling short of what we are supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. Well, that can't be in heaven. So there has to be a way to fix that, reconcile that. Well, there is. God showed up here on earth to fix it. And he came in the form of Jesus Christ, his son. And so Jesus Christ came. He lived among us. Uh, for about 30 years before he actually began his full-time ministry. And uh, for three and a half years, he went everywhere in that known world, telling people that the way to heaven was through him. And he would die. And with his death, sin would die. You say, what well, sin still lives? Of course it does, because Jesus paid for it, and he's coming back to redeem us. But in the meantime, we can be forgiven of our sins because when he died on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they didn't. They killed him. But in killing him, they also killed sin and death. He took that sin, all of the sin of the world, everything that had sinned up to that point, 
and everything that will sin until the world ends on him. And he died and he didn't stay dead. When he came back, of course, he was sinless and our sin had been paid for. That's why we have to accept what Jesus did on the cross when he died for our sins, because you can't get into heaven with sins. And so you can do that by, you say, well, there's got to be more to it than that. Nope. Nope. There's not. It is accepting what Christ did on the cross. His death paid for our sins. And so when we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, he's faithful to do so. He said he would. And that, that he wants to be with us and guide us for the rest of our lives. So being forgiven, forgiven of our sins, which makes us eligible, eligible for heaven. And then if we meant it, we really meant it. We weren't just saying the words. Then we will want to live for him. We want to try to live as sinless a life as we possibly can because we have Jesus in our heart. He paid for our sins. And so we can live that way. We ask him to shine the light on our path so that we'll know how to live our lives and do the things we ought to do and not do the things we shouldn't do. And then one day when you take your last breath here, you'll be in the sinless place forever. And Jesus will actually go to bat for you. When God says to you, why should I let you in to heaven? Jesus will say, she belongs to me. Wow. He's, he's mine. I died for their sins. And God will say, enter in to thy just reward. So and that good. Will happen. So, you know, we try to make it more complicated than that sometimes. It's not. So if you're watching, I'm telling you, before the sun comes up tomorrow, you can make a reservation in heaven. We'll be praying for you. So good. And God wants you. He wants you in his kingdom. He made you. He loves you. He wants to spend you to spend eternity with him in heaven forever. And tonight could be your night. That's so good. Don, what a powerful, powerful story that you have. I'm so honored that you would come on, take your time. Your time is extremely valuable. I know you're two hours ahead. It's much later where you are than where I'm at. So I just want to honor you and just say thank you for your service, for all the years of traveling and preaching and sharing. And I know it's not easy in the airplanes and the hotels and the no. miles. And <laughs> no. man, you've done so much for the kingdom of God. Your reward is incredible. I know the next time you at, you're at the gates, I'm sure you already know this, but I'm just reaffirming you're going to have a massive, a massive, massive audience waiting for you, a crowd to meet you of all those you've shared with. I mean, a, I can imagine a crowd that you, the eye can't see as far as the crowd will be of the millions of lives you've touched uh, through preaching the gospel, through sharing the story of Jesus. And I hope those of you watching will realize tonight, this is the testimony of Jesus. This is the story of the good news of Christ, a man that really died, really rose, and has imputed his, right, his righteousness upon us. So we are now justified, we are cleansed, we are washed, we are purified, we are made righteous before God because of the finished work of the cross and the blood of Jesus. And last night I did a live stream teaching on the blood of Jesus. So to hear you now talk all about this, it's like, man, it feels, it feels like it's so alive just talking about that the power of God unto salvation, that Romans 1.16, there's real power, there's real life change in Christ. And we're on the right side. All of you thousands watching in the chat, I want to assure you, you are on the right side of history. If you are a believer in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're on the right side of history. This is the most important time in human history. Now's the time 
for you to get bold. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. No more being timid. No more being on the sidelines. It's time to get on the field. Start sharing with your friends and family. Start a prayer meeting. Start fasting. Get hungry for the word of God. Turn off TikTok. Turn off Instagram. Turn off the television. Get in the word of God. Devour the word of God. And just, man, let this let God's word and spirit come alive in you. And you'll and you'll see those people at the gates as well. And I'm just excited. I'm like, man, I want to I want to get I want to go to heaven, man. Like I, I know it sounds morbid, but Paul said, I want it, I want to die and go to heaven, but I'm here oh, yes. for your sake. I'm here oh, yeah. for your sake. And I feel that as you're sharing just a longing in an inner longing to be with Christ and to be there in heaven. And our time is so short. The Bible says our life is but a vapor. Solomon said it's better to spend time at a funeral than at a party for the wise think of death constantly. And so I'm, I'm thinking every day about eternity. And one day I'm going to stand before God and, you know, I, I want to be responsible and tomorrow's not promised. And, and this whole message tonight, it just reaffirmed that for me, just a wake up call to everybody. Um, is there anywhere before I get you off here, is there anywhere they can follow you? anything that you may, maybe we missed that you want to just talk about before I get you off or um, anywhere you want to point? You know, in the to? back of uh, the, the book, 90 Minutes in Heaven, in the back of that book is my uh, 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 ministry email address. So if you have that book or you can get a hold of it, it's, it's in there. Um, and so you And you can contact me. I get the emails from people all over the world every day. So feel wow. free to do that. Um, we have a new uh, e uh, website going up. Uh, by the beginning of 2024, uh, uh, available at Don Piper Outreach, donpiperoutreach.com. Okay. Uh, probably won't be up like right now at the time we're watching this, but it will be up soon. So love to hear from you. I may not awesome. get to meet you here. Uh, so my the way I sign books, the way I, 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 when I'm leaving people, I will say, if I don't see you here, I want to see you there. See yeah. you at the gates. Yes, absolutely. Don Piper, I really appreciate you. If you ever want to come on again, the, the the invite's open always to be on the platform. I'm sure there's a million more questions I can send and ask you. I just feel like a child here going, what about this? What about this? It's so exciting, though, to have you on and uh, just, you know, the wisdom you have, the knowledge you have. So thank you so much for being on tonight. I'll send you an email tonight. I want to make sure that I send something to bless your ministry. But thank you, you so much you for keep being on. on keeping me. on. May God richly bless your ministry and what you're doing till we meet again. Thank you so much, Don. You have a great night. Thank you. God bless. What an amazing testimony, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. An hour and 20 minutes. I, I wanted to go all night. I'll, I'll be honest. I wanted to keep asking questions. I do want to honor his time. He's gone through a lot of health things recently. Just had, you know, five surgeries and he's, it's late for him where he's at. So I want to honor him. What an awesome, awesome testimony. Let me say a prayer for some of you that are watching. Maybe you say, I want to make that choice, or maybe you made that choice tonight. I just want to say a prayer for you. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would touch every single person listening to this broadcast, God. I just pray that your spirit would be on them. Lord, I just pray that you would just bring upon repentance tonight, God. You just bring upon a hunger for righteousness, Lord, a desire to know you. For those of you that might be out there lost, I was an atheist when I came to God. And God met me where I was at. I really believe the Holy Spirit's going to meet you where you're at. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in the finished work of the cross. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you, will wash you, and will renew you. He'll remove all condemnation, all addiction, all shame, all guilt. The blood of Jesus will wash you. So I'm just praying tonight that God would touch you. I just pray tonight that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and power, that the anointing of God would just run from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, and that God would just move in your life tonight, wherever you are. Doesn't matter where you're at, 
God can touch you right now. God can move in your life. And I just pray, be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. We just ask, Father, that you'd fill every single person in this broadcast. Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit and power. Fill them with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God, do what only you can do. Father, what you did to me January 12, 2011, I pray that you would do that, do that in them tonight. God, you'd, you'd bring conviction over them right now. God, you'd speak to them clearly. Give them dreams and visions. I pray you stir up spiritual gifts in them, God. Stir those gifts up. Today's your guys' day to, to turn from your sin. In Acts chapter 2, they said, what must we do? And Peter said, repent, turn, turn from it, change the way you think, turn from your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ. You must repent. You must turn from your sin and follow Jesus. Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. If any man wants to hang on to his life, he'll lose his life. But if you want to gain life, you have to lose your life. So if you want to go to heaven and you want to be there and, and heaven is not the reason why we serve God or we're saved. Jesus, relationship with the Father, having that Holy Spirit in us, that one-on-one -on -one communion with God, that's the reason we become a Christian. Heaven is an incredible benefit, an incredible benefit that one day we are going to die. Yes, you are going to die. Every single one of you in the chat, the death rate's 100%. Every one of you are going to die and you're going to stand before God. And God's either going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. So let this be sobering tonight. I'm excited, y'all. Like, I know it sounds morbid, but I'm trying to go to heaven, y'all. Like, hearing this story, man, I can't wait to stand before God and, and meet so many of you at the gates. So many of you I'm going to meet at the gates. You know, he said the people that met him at the gates were people that impacted him. And I pray I have an impact on your life like that to where... I'm going to meet you at the gates. I'm, I'm going to be busy in heaven, y'all. I'm going to have all these appointments of people passing away that I'm going to have to meet at the gates, and I can't wait for that day. So today's the day to get your name written in that Lamb's Book of Life. How do I do that? Put your faith in Jesus. Believe in what he did on the cross. Put your faith in him. Surrender your life to him. Follow him fully. Man, there's no better time than right now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.